Hey everybody, Todd Mitchell here. Welcome back to Game Dev Breakdown. What you are about to hear is part of my event coverage for the Virtual Indie Games Expo 2020. Big thank you to the event organizers for having me out virtually, of course. You can uh, find a link to them in the show notes to see more of uh, what they're up to and what they're about. In each of these episodes, I will speak to multiple teams who showed off their projects and are doing their thing. It's all very interesting. They're uh, great folks to get to know. So hang out, relax, and enjoy this event coverage. Good evening, fans. Tim Kittrow here, the voice of NBA Jam. And you're listening to the Game Dev Breakdown Podcast, brought to you by CodeWritePlay.com. Whoa, boom shakalaka. My mom gave birth in 1985. I was blue than a Pac-Man ghost, barely alive. In the cold world, my only blanket was Tetris. I played Rampart with Reagan Rampage, the world for breakfast. The laundry mat was my sanctuary. That arcade was my church. I thought I was Rastan, so for evil I was... Arthur, you want to introduce your team, your company, and the uh, the game that you guys presented this weekend? Sure. Obviously, um Arthur Moyer. Um, I'm the CEO, president, man of many hats, lead developer, designer, and that kind of thing. People that are with us today is Kathleen Parker. She is our head 3D modeler. Okay. And also we have Paul Blessing, who is the our lead uh, UI designer and the graphics aficionado. <laughs> gotcha. We've been working on this since October 2017. What's the uh, name of the game for listeners? Oh, uh, name of the game is uh, Rank Warmaster, and the name of the company uh, is Laser Beams and Park Stream Software. Nice. The game itself is a 4X RTS space combat game. The short version of it is, think of uh, Sins of a Solar Empire, but you get to fly the ships. Nice. Now, the, the scope of it is a little different than that game, of course, uh, in the sense that we're representing the solar system in the one-to-one fashion. So Mars as a planet, for example, which is mostly where we're concentrating on right now, is to full scale, which means our solar system is to full scale. We intend to go to the other planets and stuff like that. And people don't quite appreciate how big space is, let alone how big <laughs> planets are. Right. You know, uh, I remember playing Minecraft, and the first time I played, I got lost. I set up a little castle and I went around and I didn't know there was a you know a coordinate positioning system in the game. Of course there was, but there were how to get to it. And so for days I was lost. And when I finally came back around, I realized I was only a kilometer away from my main base the entire <laughs> time. Yeah. And even though I was completely lost, it's sort of like that's just a few kilometers. Imagine like an entire planet size that you're building on them multiple planets and their moons and stuff like that people don't seem to appreciate that uh, even now with the spaceships that we're running around in because you go so quickly the mountains look like they're moving slowly but if you've ever been in an airplane when you fly across the mountains they look like you're moving across them slowly too you don't realize how big they are until you actually physically walk on it true so it's that kind of thing so we're definitely trying to alleviate the motion thing within the game itself Tell me how uh, how far along in development this is. That is a loaded question. Well, I'm sure. <laughs> so answer that in, in any way or in any amount of detail you want. Basically, for high level, I mean, is this upcoming in the very near future, or do we have uh, a good amount of work ahead? Yes, asterisks. Basically, 
we're shooting for a Steam level early access in Q1 of 2021, so a few months away. That's pretty good. Um, the main reason why I, I put it in those terms is the audience for early access on Steam is very different than the audience for early access on someplace like Game Jolt, as an example. Mm-hmm. Meaning Steam's audience is nowhere near as forgiving for an indie game as other places are. So we are actually are on Game Jolt even now, but it's a very limited and cut-down demo. Although we do have a tutorial, which, as that gets more fleshed out, will give you access to all those other things, but you just won't be able to play the main games this week. Right now, we're concentrating a lot on the polish, trying to up it from what it has been to something that'd be more expected. Uh, the latest is uh, the lighting system, but a large part of the game has been completed as far as the loop goes, the main game loop goes. Mm-hmm. It, at the convention yesterday, I did a half-hour presentation, and literally I, I was building up my city, doing research, trying to get my fleet up and running, and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And the enemy was basically doing the same thing. I showed off the, the asset screen, which just shows you, you know, your city assets and who has what money and that kind of thing. Uh, the research, the factory screens, and you know, those kind of things, seeing how things were built up, how you could quickly like design a ship, etc. Uh, so I went through all the motions. Currently, some of the graphical effects need to be more polished. These screens are currently... Uh, Paul has actually made these new prototypes. We just haven't integrated the main executable yet. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kathleen has been working on the 3D models and the shields of the ships and, of course, the ships and buildings themselves. So, I mean, there, there's been a lot of work put into it. As far as what I consider ready for early access is the RTS screen side should be more polished. Um, there should be more for the player to do than currently there is. Basically, there's one or two enemies, and if you defeat it, okay, that's kind of game over. That's not quite enough. Uh, So I really want the tutorials to be completed, the RTS to have a lot more nice feel to it, some other normal limitations you would expect in a 4X game to put in, etc. A lot more is coming. We even have, like, voices are coming in. We just put in a IAUS AI system into the game, and what that means is things kind of think. It's not like a deep learning kind of thing, but mm-hmm. if you played... Well, I mean, I know like Fear back in the day used Gope, which was a, a, a decision-making AI. This is more used for uh, League of Legends and things of that nature, where gotcha. you're supposed to have like hundreds of entities and they all kind of actually make relevant de- you know, decisions per you know fractions of a second, if you will. So as a good example, I was chasing over the enemy base just to show what that would look like. And the builder bot ran because it went, Oh, I have no guns, but you do. I'm going to run from you. Yeah. Uh, a similar thing happened the other way. They started to produce what I like to call gnats. Cause when the AI finally starts cranking out ships, they produce a lot of them. And so I told my builder bot to go put down a, uh, a turret and it ran because it said, oh, no, there's like a, like a fleet of 10 ships coming in. There's like two of you. <laughs> I'll come back when you, you get rid of them. So stuff like that where things actually think a lot more. But there's still a lot to do. I don't expect it to be at a 1.0 for at least another year. But by that point, the main campaign will be there. There will obviously be a lot more polish. 
But all the screens are there at this point. And all the screens, with the exception of the self-damage screen, which is still being worked on, uh, are fully functional. Right now, it's just cosmetic. Yeah. So it depends where you draw that line. That's why I think that an early access is possible in Q1. Because by that point, those will have been updated. A lot of the other stuff will be ironed out. Uh, there's always going to be game balance things. That's going to be an ongoing thing across the next year. But that's expecting a lot of the games that are alpha. Oh, sure. But yeah, so it's sooner rather than later. Gotcha. And I'm I'm kind of interested in getting some expertise here from the rest of the team also. I mean, first of all, the the flyable element of this is cool. So being able to control the, the units themselves. Also, it looks like deep customization of the actual ships is, is a factor here. Is that right? I mean, uh, can maybe Kathleen talk to that point or uh, somebody? Yes. I was going to say, you can go ahead and talk, Kathleen. I was... I was about to say it's kind of a gameplay mechanic thing that Arthur would have more explanation for, but I'll, I'll let Kathleen go. Perhaps it, it creates a little more detail on the modeling side than you would normally worry about. Do you think that's right? Um, yes. Like when I've been designing, I'm just trying to think of areas like, I, I, I mean, I could make like a really cool looking ship, but I just need kind of keep it playing down because people can build it up with different like uh, cannons and um, other items on it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And uh, how how does that affect the uh, the gameplay side, Arthur? The engine is designed around that you can throw any mesh you want into the game and fly it. The engine itself doesn't care. Mm-hmm. When you design the ship as a player, you can say where the guns are firing from, where the turrets are going to be, or you can let the computer do it for you, which is quicker, obviously. Which is why when Kathleen does a ship, you know there aren't pre-built gun ports on the meshes, if you will, <laughs> because it's up to the player to say where you want these guns to fire from. And it's very granular as far as, you know, it's not just, oh, this ship hull has three weapon slots and you only put in these things. No, you can put in as much as you want as long as you have space for it and the money for it, so to speak. That's just the weapons, the, the reactor itself, you know, the thrusters, the armor, the shielding, if you go that far with it. I mean, soup the nuts, you can do that. And while that sounds great on paper, in playtesting, it becomes somewhat of a nightmare because <laughs> then people sit there for like 10, 20 minutes building a ship that will get depreciated because the next weapon comes out or anything else comes out. So we came up with a, with a quick design to quickly put something together that would be very much more similar to what you see in a standard 4X game. And then the computer automatically designs the ship. There's nothing preventing the player at that point from further tweaking it, of course. I think the further into the game someone gets, the more time they'll have to tweak their designs. And that's mm-hmm. kind of the intention. But that way they can you know, fly what they want. So if they want to come with a missile boat or a beam boat or a pulse boat or a mix in between, they can build as they see fit. Uh, but that presented a certain challenge on Kathleen's end because like the engines, for example, you know, one of the things that we're doing now for the, uh, the polish side is say, okay, the engines are going to come out of these slots on the mesh. The computer doesn't know where that is. A human would. Same thing, like I said, not having gun ports or gun nubs. Um, what's the best place to put decals on it so you can see, like, you know, which faction this thing belongs to, that kind of thing. So it has provided different challenges. And that's the other big thing. And uh, I know Kathleen's probably not happy with me about this, but I've purposely kept the polygon count down because <laughs> the way the armor works in the game is every polygon has its own armor value and own hit points. 
So when you're strafing across an enemy ship, it actually knows where you hit it and decrements those hit points for that chunk of armor as you go across the mesh. So until you actually get through a spot, you don't start to mess with the internals. And of course, you know, depending on which, where you hit it is what internals you hit when you do get through the armor. So you can actually target the, the reactor or the cockpit or the engines or a number of different things. And in the multiplayer tests that we've done, a lot of people end up having their nose ripped off and their weaponless. They can still fly around, but they can't shoot because they blow out all their weapons. <laughs> or they'll blow out one or two weapons and they'll be down a couple guns. Or they'll take out their their maneuver, maneuvering thrusters and they drop like a rock because now they can't turn. Uh, stuff like that. The ships themselves don't explode until all the components inside are destroyed. Totally makes sense. Yeah, that kind of restricted design can be frustrating on the modeling side, but that's an art form in itself, and that that ends up getting a lot of respect from uh, knowledgeable players, too. So hopefully, uh, and the art style seems well on its way. So, Paul, I was hoping to hear from you about UI in games like this, to me that really goes a long way to establish a game's feel and its sort of style. So, I mean, how do you differentiate a game like this, still make it familiar to players? I mean, how do you strike that balance? I'd have to think about that answer for a second there. Um, how I make the game look unique while still having a practical convention to it, I suppose you're asking? I think that's a good way to say it, yeah. It's kind of a fine line between practicality and flourish, uh, we are trying to use as much of our screen, screen real estate as we have. So I have to, you know, but what I've been recently doing is, you know, going through several iterations of what the screens should look like because we're refining, you know, what's necessary, what's what makes the game look not boring, not like, you know, Windows 95 or something. And, you know, what actually is still useful in terms of, okay, how much can I fit in the screen here? Where can this, like, little widget or side panel go and things of that nature. We're currently, uh, I'm currently bringing all the current screens up to a modern unified standard where we have like this kind of, I don't want to say like windows arrow kind of glass panel with like, you know, thin outlines kind of look. So that's what I've been working on lately where I'm just trying to get everything to look stylish, but still functional, kind of a minimalistic sort of angle. That's sort of how I connect with those is the feel of that UI in addition to, of course, you know, the, the major elements, the ships and, you know, the gameplay and everything. We've gone through quite a few cycles of aesthetic evolution. So, yeah, we originally were coming from the concept that, oh, you're a Mars, you're trapped there and all your ships will be built from scrap metal. Yeah. So that's why some of the ships in the UI, especially the older UI, look like that. And then we came that, you know what, that's probably not the greatest idea. Let's just say they're all holographic elements, which is where the, the current UI is going. But that's why you see that bicycle chain thing <laughs> for the gauges, which everybody seems to hate. But that's when we switched out for something that looks more holographic looking. Even the functionality will be the same thing. Nice. Informed style. I like it. So uh, I hate that this is such an abbreviated call today, but uh, do definitely let listeners know where they can check you guys out, uh, what they can see of the project so far, and uh, sort of where to look for you on the web. The project does actually have a main website at this point. Uh, it's at uh, www.rankwarmaster.com. We do have a dev blog that we post to to show our progress, which is more technical. And that's at uh, blog.rankwarmaster.com. 
we have our own Discord at this point. You can get that link from the main website. We're on Instagram at uh, rank.warmaster. We're on uh, Facebook. We have a Twitter account. So we keep up with the social media as far as things go. So, yeah, I mean, you can keep up our progress. We do have a newsletter. We don't spam people with it. I actually only use it for major announcements, which isn't that often. So, yeah, you know, we sign up if you want to be notified that, hey, when this is finally hitting early access. We do have a Steam page at this point, but it's hidden because I really want the first impression to be nicer rather than the old style of graphics going sort of wild with the new stuff, if that makes sense. Yeah. I'm sure Paul and Kathleen have their own social media stuff. I know, uh, actually, I know both of them do. Sure, let's hear it. Honestly, when it comes to like my, my own artwork and stuff, it's mostly what you're going to find on the uh, aforementioned Rank Warmaster blog, de- development blog. I have my own like you know Facebook and Instagram pages, but they're mostly personal stuff, nothing related to the uh, game per se. Fair enough. And Kathleen? I guess same thing. I got my own art store and uh, art page. I usually some work of Rank Warmaster on it, but mostly the most recent ones will be on the blog. Uh, if you do want to check out my art page, it's Titanium Melon. Okay, well, this sounds great. Congrats on the the great showing this weekend. I mean, people seem very excited about it, and uh, we will definitely look forward to the early access coming up, and uh, best of luck to you guys with the game. I appreciate it. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you for having us on. Let's pause right here to talk about our sponsor, AppFigures. AppFigures is all about giving game makers the tools they need to get more downloads and revenue. You may know them for analytics and app store optimization. Now AppFigures can help you track competitors from downloads and dollar amounts to audience demographics and even which SDKs they use. Their competitor intelligence gives great context. If a competitor adds a new feature or gets mentioned in the news, AppFigures can tell you if that brought in more downloads. If you have an idea for a new app or a game, AppFigures can tell you how big the market is and how much money it could make you. That's just scratching the surface. Whether you're growing your app or building a new one, AppFigures has the tools you need to reduce risk and get more downloads. You don't need a huge budget or a data science degree. AppFigures has made it affordable and simple, and they can guide you step-by-step through gaining more visibility with ASO and increasing your revenue by learning from your competitors. Head to appfigures.com slash on slash gamedevbreakdown to try AppFigures for free, and if you like it, Use our special code GDB3030 to get 30% off for the next three months. Okay, so uh, Ryan, welcome. Thank you for uh, joining me today. Uh, how's it going? Good. Been a slow day. So. It was it was nice connecting with you yesterday at the uh, Indie Games Expo, and I uh, wanted to have you on and talk about what you were up to there. Uh, yeah, so I had a booth there. Uh, I was showing off my game uh, Altercation, which is a highly customizable platform brawler. Maybe a smash-alike, if you will. Yeah, that was some of the inspiration. <laughs> I, uh, I got to look at the preview in the booth and i don't know what all entirely you've revealed about the game you know just across the web just yet but it it was cool to see the clip i'm i'm impressed by what you've done so far um 
I, I don't recall if we got to talk about this. Have you done any big games before this, or is this sort of your biggest project right now? Uh, this one's my biggest project. Uh, it's just been lots of Game Jam games up to this point. What I... Uh, yeah, we we did get to talk about game jams, and that was that was funny because it's always fun to talk to people about you know just the the jam life in general. But uh, something I loved about Altercation is is the custom like the deep somewhat deep customization of the characters. I mean, what what gave you that idea? Um, that's just I, I just love character customization, and uh, if you've ever seen the uh, the YouTube web series uh, Monster Factory that the McElroys do. Mm-hmm. That's some of the inspiration too. Is just those hilarious videos of how, how far can we take this character customization? And uh, I, I wanted to try to put my spin on that, which uh, is a little harder when I'm doing pixel art by myself. But yeah, I think I've got a good start. <laughs> yeah, it's I'm impressed because it already involves a lot of pixel art. I mean this this is clearly keeping you busy. How how long have you been working on it so far? Uh, I started on it, I think a year and a half ago and I, uh, but it's been off and on. So probably a year thereabouts. I'm not surprised by that answer. Cause there's already, there's already a lot to go on. And, uh, the, the video looks good. It's clearly going to be a lot of fun. I mean, uh, I, I assume this will start as a PC sort of exclusive. Where do you see putting this eventually? Uh, yeah. So starting on PC and then wherever I can get it, honestly, it's, because it's just a fairly simple pixel art game. So, so if I can get it, you know, out to the phone and all that and using unity, it should be easier to do that. So, yeah. Yeah. I was, I was interested that this was a unity project. Um, do you think you'll get to do online support or will it be strictly like local? What do you want to do? Uh, that was sort of what I was targeting for the indie game expo, but didn't finish it in time. Oh, I, I get that. Like it's, it's, it's hard to pick an event in the, relative near future and know exactly where you're going to be. I've, I've been in that boat for sure. And as you mentioned to me, you just did like a major move, like physical location. Yes. So yeah. that's gotta be, I mean, that's stressful during the pandemic. I mean, good Lord. It's, it's hard for us just to stay in one place during the pandemic. It's it seems nearly impossible to move. Yeah. And it was funny cause I'm, I'm not the only one that did this. <laughs> Saw plenty of moving trucks and still occasionally see moving trucks at the apartment. Yeah, um, I I see that. I feel like I see a lot of that around town. We just walk around the neighborhood. We see people relocating stuff. It's like, my God. Uh, I assume some of this stuff is probably career uh, related, but that seems stressful either way right now. So how did you like the the expo overall? I, I thought it was cool. Jet has a tendency to talk a bit too much, but... Otherwise, uh, when it was just actually like talking to people virtually, I thought it was great. Like the 3D world that they have going so far, the it's a good start for sure. <laughs> yeah, because you were somebody you said who had attended their uh, physical events in the past, because you were located where they were located before you moved. Yes. Yeah, uh, I was in Denver up until you know I, I moved, but. Uh, yeah, so I, I did the physical event last year and then the virtual event this year. I really haven't gotten to ask anybody this yet, and it's strange that I haven't, but I mean, I assume there's like an over-encompassing sort of indie organization or co-op of some sort that, that sort of uh, loosely organizes all this. I mean, what what is that group? That is the Lim Interactive, so Jet and Scott, essentially. Right. 
so I found them through Meetup for VR, AR developers, and then they've just kind of just keep doing it. I don't know how many, like, like I said, the only people I know for sure are Jet and Scott are regulars, and I think there's another guy, Keith, that shows up with them. For a group that small, that's actually incredible. Well, and that's, that's Jet loves to rattle off the, like, it's the longest group of game developers in the, the States. Oh, I would believe that if, if yeah, he says he started <laughs> it a whole heck of a long time ago and it's just been puttering along. I know they've been doing it. And I, I, of course I need to have them on as well, but uh, I, they said they've been at this forever and they're sort of focused on event based sort of entertainment with their projects. So it, it sort of makes sense what they're, what they're doing. I definitely think it's cool that they've put such an effort into bringing in the local scene, you know, and they handled it exactly right. They, they didn't present this as like, here's, you know, Colorado's this or, or whatever. They just said, here, we're doing a games expo. You're going to want to see it. And, uh, I mean, did great. W- went fine. Yeah. Cause all of the developers, it sounded like, cause I, I heard a guy was from California another guy was from Japan. So yeah, they got I'm, a good uh, spread. I've, I've been, uh, I've, I'm trying to be careful to include, yes, you know, the Denver and beyond, you know, the people for sure got involved from uh, all over the place. So, I'm hoping everybody gets to go back to their physical events uh, in the in the coming year. But you know, hey, maybe maybe some of these people start doing the virtual stuff annually as well. I think that'd be that'd be good. Yeah, because as cool as the virtual event was, and like it was a very good substitute, but there wasn't any visitors. Really, it was just developers. It will, and and I, this isn't anybody's fault because I feel like that's sort of to some extent like the expo syndrome. I've, I've been to more than my share of these things where in large part, it's the group sort of presenting among itself and everybody's, everybody's super nice and super supportive. And I mean, those developers are buying and playing games just like everybody else. But yeah, the challenge always seems to be like, how do we expand far beyond that? And they took the right steps. I mean, they, they did the right thing by saying this is just an, Indie Expo, they did mention in the marketing stuff, like, you know, you're seeing some of this area's uh, finest work and up and coming uh, people. But yeah, that's always very difficult is sort of branching out beyond your physical location, even when you're online, you know? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Do you do this kind of work during the day to day job wise? Um, So as the the reason I moved is I got a Unity developer position. Uh, So that's what I'm doing for a living now. Man, that's that's the dream, right? <laughs> that's pretty great. Uh-huh. Oh, uh, and I guess I should say the company is called Digital Cloak, and they are currently hiring for a VR developer. Uh, oh, so of, you were probably involved in getting that post in the Discord. Okay, that makes sense. Yes, yeah. Very cool. What what do they work on? Uh, so it's a security company. So like, I'm working on a mission planning app, but the uh, VR development is uh, for training. That's interesting you say that because I briefly freelanced on a project very similar to that. In my area, we have like defense contractors and stuff, and they were doing, in their case, it was a web-based thing where they they were doing a training application where people could like learn stuff, and then they had to like practice locking down like a network or something. They were scored based on what they did in this fake thing. That's apparently pretty big industry. Like you, that hires a lot of people. Yeah, yeah, and that, like because they. I've really only had the one meeting about the VR stuff, but it's like this whole big plan of all this stuff and they've got the money behind it. So hopefully that'll be a big project for a long time. 
Well, that's the, yeah, <laughs> since you moved, I hope, I hope that goes extremely well for a very long time for you. Getting back to altercation, uh, what are some of the games that sort of motivated you and sort of uh, drew you into this uh, gameplay area? I guess just starting for game development itself, uh, I'm a huge Borderlands fan. That has oh, cool. been my diehard game for years. But then, uh, like I said, inspiration for altercation was uh, Monster Factory because of character customization. And then basically the multiplayer was simply because of the character customization. Like that's the focus I wanted. And I, I figured the game that would be easiest to focus that on would be simply having two characters and then mm-hmm. they, they duke it out. So that's sort of where the, the some of the smash inspiration came in. Yeah, that, that totally makes good sense. Um, what are you, what are you playing right now for fun? If you get to, I mean, you're clearly you're very busy, but <laughs> yeah. Uh, I bounced. I, I was actually just playing a uh, disc room this morning. I don't know if I know about that. Yeah, it's. Uh, I think I don't know the names of the developers or anything, but uh, yeah, that one's just a bunch of discs bouncing around a room, and you got to dodge. You just die all the time. But and it's it's interesting because there's also a puzzle aspect to it too. Uh, yeah. And obviously, uh, I tried out Cyberpunk as well, but haven't gotten very far into it. What uh, what platform did you try Cyberpunk on? Uh, PC. Okay, so that's. And I, I'm still having little glitches and stuff like the tree thing. I, <laughs> I only saw that for the first time yesterday. That was the first time I heard about that specific thing, and that's one of the funniest ones to me. Is just little little tiny trees everywhere they shouldn't be. That's mm-hmm. <laughs> that's pretty great. So, um, have you gotten to show? I mean, other than the expo, of course. Have you gotten to have like friends play altercation yet? Are you getting feedback yet? Uh, some. Uh, it's it's hard to get together with friends, especially now. And it, uh, it tends to be uh, friends are distracted with other things when I go to show stuff. So, but I have got some amount of feedback. And last year I got some good feedback because it was you know the physical indie game expo. Yeah. And somebody even gave me the compliment of like the game has good game feel, and I'm like, oh, that's that's great because I've only been working on it for a couple months at this point. Yeah, that's that's and that's the biggest challenge really of doing a virtual expo because we're so close to the t- the proper technology to really uh stream a game to someone who's not in the room with the hardware but we're not quite really there so as cool as the virtual booths are and everything that yeah that's the hardest thing and um i was impressed that they were working on on uh, trying to deal with that during presentations at the expo and stuff but there's almost no correct answer i mean almost anything is going to be either laggy or not really give people a sense of you know at a physical expo you could have 500 people play your game in a day there's almost no way to do that right now virtually yeah because uh, i was talking with some of the other attendees there too and the guys who were doing the virtual world uh arcade thing and it was just like yeah it's not feasible to try to run a game inside of a booth that is in this virtual vr space it's just too much to do all at once i guess at the same time if you're at your virtual booth and somebody comes up and says man i sure would like to play this eh, it's easy enough for them. they are at home and they can just sw- if there's a demo available or something like that they can just you know alt tab out and try it i guess that's that's true so. Yeah, that's what, that's what you would hope, is that they would uh, be <laughs> I don't able know to what, click on the links. Right, I don't know what the real conversion turns out to be, but that's the idea is there. So, 
Yeah, they definitely made it easy to do in the booth where you can just click a link and it'll open it in a web page. Because I, I picked up plenty of links from the event. That's true. I, I did. I did too. So like I said, they're, I think they're taking all the right steps. It's just some of it there's no answer for just yet. So what other events are you hoping to do in the near future? Uh, let, let's let's say this is all over in six months. I mean, what, what kind of events do you want to do soon? I honestly haven't thought about it much simply because of both A, the pandemic, and B, the fact that I moved. So I don't know what's around me at this point either. Yeah. So. See, that's... If I were moving at this stage, uh, I I would be concerned about that. I'd be like, you know, what's it's funny, like most of my life I had I never gave any thought to like, is there a local development scene? You think about the industry, like could I work in games or at least in Unity or something like that in a new area? But you almost never think about like, will there be people to talk to around town or, you know, people who are doing stuff that maybe I could collaborate with? It's kind of a sad thing. Yeah, I, I figure I'm I'm not too far out of uh, DC, so there should be enough people that there's some kind of gathering. I just haven't looked it up because the pandemic makes it difficult. You've got plenty on your mind for sure. Yeah. <laughs> uh, besides this, I mean, like, let's say this goes fantastically, and and it, there's no reason it shouldn't. What kind of projects do you see yourself doing in the future? I I've got all sorts of things. Uh, lined up and started and stopped and started and stopped. Uh, like even over the summer, I, I took a little bit of a break from altercation and I was working on uh, trying to match together uh, Frogger with a roguelike, which Ooh. was kind of fun. Yeah. Uh, altercation is the, the game that just keeps pulling me back where I'm like, I, I know this is like probably too big for me to start with, but it's just the idea that won't let go. So that's why I've just continued to keep at it. I don't know. Like, I think a game like this, and this is easy for me to say because I don't have to prove it, but it is a very basic uh, game loop. I mean, you know, it's, there's only so much to that, and then you can go as deep as you care to go. And I mean, people will uh, like or dislike it based on their preference for how deep you went, but it it doesn't seem... I can think of worse things to try to tackle as a first major release. I think uh, I think you're well on your way, right? I think some of it was uh, just being worried about multiplayer and the, like trying to get a community to play the game as opposed to just, you know, pick it up for five minutes and go, oh, neat, and then put it down. Um, it's it's true, yeah. I, the, the other part of the, the game is doing gameplay customization, so making it so people can make all sorts of wild different characters that... So just as like a simple example of instead of doing damage to a character, it slows them down or... And then just having all sorts of just wild effects based on that. Yeah. And it, it kind of slipped my mind that, you know, you've got the option of supporting local play, online play, and potentially AI for solo play. So, no, I take it back. You're kind of screwed. Yeah. Yeah. AI <laughs> was the other thing that it's like just to, to, just to hook people into the game and get them playing before they get into the multiplayer is... Uh, that's why I'm afraid I bit off a bit more than I can chew. But. I see your point. No, I, I think it's doable. I think especially if you decide, you know, one or two of these modes and you can sort of let people start playing it and sort of help guide, you know, decisions or how, how, however much or little of that you decide to do. I think there are enough ways to bring in 
the kind of feedback that will probably keep you motivated. I mean, you seem very motivated with this already, but uh, I, I think it'll be... It's going to be a fun ride for you. I, I don't think there's going to be... This will be something you're dealing with for some time, but I think it's going to be a fun project to be a part of. Yeah. And I am aiming for, you know, fun party game as opposed to balanced competitive game. Yeah, su- next <laughs> super super eSport type thing. But maybe yeah, they- I, I doubt that with a little simple pixel art thing made by a single person. But I, you never know, I guess. I mean, Rocket League started somehow. Sometimes it's up to the people, so... I wanted to get you on here. I wanted to uh, give you a chance to let people know where to sort of follow you online. Uh, so, so do that. So everything hopefully is branded under Ryan S. Peterson games. My Twitter, that one was a bit too long for the Twitter handle. So uh, that one's Ryan S. Peterson games. Uh, and then my YouTube is Quacko squared. Cause I'm not cool enough to change it just yet. <laughs> but yeah, I've got a Twitter Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, Patreon, Twitch. Yeah, I've done a little bit of streaming. I've kept my Patreon fairly updated. I've made some amount of YouTube videos on game development. The most popular one I've done is a... I did a game jam of a Jackbox game. So I made... Oh, nice. So using Unity and Air Console that people seem to like. Cool. So uh, for sure, people should uh, check out your various channels, depending on where they like to spend their time. And uh, I, I wish you luck with Altercation. I think it's uh, off to a great start. Yep. And I'll uh, we'll follow this along and uh, have you back on and you can tell us how it's going. Might, might take a little while to get some good updates on it, but uh, yeah, definitely I, hope to do so. We'll, we'll give you several weeks and then we expect an update. <laughs> <laughs> no, well, this... with Christmas happening and New Year's. Uh, I'm planning on taking it easy. I, I won't call you on Christmas or New Year's, but uh, anything else is fair game. Well, you could you could follow the uh, all the socials and stuff. <laughs> all right, oh, thanks. Yeah, because uh, I've got a fair amount of pixel art on uh, Instagram and stuff too. So, oh, nice. Yeah, I, I will for sure check that out. I like to follow that stuff. So cool. This has been great. I appreciate it, and uh, best of luck with the game. Thank you for the interview. You got it. Thank you so much to our guests. If you enjoy the Game Dev Breakdown podcast, I would love to have you subscribe on the platform of your choosing. Hit that follow button on Spotify, drop a rating and a review on the Apple side. We have show notes at CodeWritePlay.com. We are all over social media at GameDevPod on Twitter, at CodeWritePlay, and me, Todd Mitchell, at MechaToddzilla, 1D and 2Ls. Love hearing your feedback. Reach out with topics, what's on your mind, what you're up to, and we love talking about that stuff too. So, more next time. Take care of yourselves out there. Keep working hard. Keep making us proud. And I will catch you next time. At that moment, nothing mattered in my life more than seeing my three initials at Lakeside with a high score. But now I'm older. There's no quarter to resurrect the hit reset. It's either game over or success. I'm walking towards the light, bright, no regrets.